You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, April 13th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, which I am pointing to on the YouTube, Lockdown Padres on YouTube. We just passed 300 subscribers, guys, so thank you for that. That is very exciting. And go check out at LO underscore Padres, where I tend to live tweet the game and whatnot. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Padres your First listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Hashtag first listen, everybody. In today's show, we're going to be talking about a blowout uh, that the Padres suffered last night. We're going to be talking about a blowout that the Padres suffered, as well as some unwritten rules things. And then we're going to be talking about how Mackenzie Gore may be debuting on Friday and Nick Martinez's debut start, which I unfortunately didn't get a chance to talk to because I pre-recorded yesterday's episode. But uh, we're going to be doing it now. So. A lot of kind of all over the place. A little bit of a grab bag of topics today. Uh, but first, let's talk about the blowout because that is the easiest thing to talk about because it was a blowout. There's not much to report here. The Padres lost 13-2. to You Darvish looked very, very bad, giving up line drives left and right. One and two-thirds innings only. 57 pitches, giving up nine earned runs on eight hits, walking two, striking out two. Uh, it was a disaster, and it reminds you of why there has been a fear of the U Darvish thing ever since the sticky stuff kind of breakdown and crackdown. Uh, a lot of people have been wondering, you know, he looked, he was an all-star first half. And then, you know, I'm not going to say, say he devolved into the level of James Karen the reliever on Cleveland. If people are familiar who literally ever since the sticky stuff, he went down to triple a, that's how much he decreased in his abilities. He was like an all-star closer. Um, but nonetheless, uh, still unfortunate. Will Myers eventually had to come into the game uh, pitching, which I guess was actually strangely the bright side of the night. He also had an RBI double, which was nice. Will Myers and off to the best start, but he just feels kind of impregnable. He feels kind of like nobody cares at this point when he doesn't play well or if he's not doing too much. It's just he feels like he's, he's always been there for us, you know? So Will Myers just kind of immune to all criticism in a lot of ways, for better or worse. Um, you know, Brandon Belt, uh, one of the most... A dynamic first baseman in all of baseball. He hits a two-run shot in this one. Also manages to slap another hit opposite field for him. So he's just a beast, and if that guy stays healthy, he's going to be a problem for the rest of the season, no doubt. I actually think that Brandon Belt's going to be more of a problem than uh, Brandon Crawford, just because Brandon Crawford, what he did last year, to me, was something he literally never did before. So I'm wondering whether or not he can replicate it. It's still a good player, but I wonder not if he can replicate it on the offensive side of things. So I mentioned... Um, breaking down you Darvish's debut start that I thought he was good, but I actually thought Joe Musgrove was better because all of the breaking stuff looked awesome. Guys were being just missing everything. And Darvish's start, yes, he had the no-hitter and whatnot, but was giving up some hard contact, didn't look great, and the four walks. So a good start for him, not a great start, as I thought Shamanaya and um, Joe Musgrove had, and even Nick Martinez, who we're going to be getting into in a little bit. But the thing that we have to talk about now, unfortunately, was something that occurred in the game, and that has to do with unwritten rules, and it is annoying. Basically, Mauricio Dubon, at one point, bunted for a base hit, and, you know, like I said, he reached first base, he bunted, it was a smart play, you know, taking advantage of the defense, maybe not being totally set and whatnot, gets on base, improves his on-base percentage, and what have you, maybe he could steal bases, all that stuff. 
Um, in the moment, we thought that Gabe Kapler and Bob Melvin, everybody universe is condemning it. Gabe Kapler, after the game, Giants, of course, manager and skipper, uh, he was basically like, look, you know, it's part of the game is trying to just completely, you know, destroy the other team. You want to get deeper into their bullpen. You want to keep getting on base. You want to keep tiring guys. You don't just play for one game. If you're playing for one game, there should be a mercy rule. But no, there isn't. And if the Padres somehow made a miracle comeback, then all of a sudden, you know, then it's not a problem anymore. So that's that's my thing. The same team that had to defend their best player over swinging on 3-0 for a grand slam, by the way, during a time when their bullpen was a mess. So in my opinion, a 7-8 run lead or whatever it was, I don't have that off the top of my head, was certainly not enough of a cushion at that point in the game. Even if it is very likely your team wins. Let's make no mistake. It is very likely that your team is going to win. But they had to defend him. They're doing their bat flips. They're wearing their swag chains. The Padres should not be anywhere near stuff like this. They should not. I, I don't know where they get the gall and the audacity to act like they, sh- they can be upset about this. I got an idea. <clears throat> Let me just take a sip of water before I say this. I know all of you guys are listening. You know, just look in the mirror for a second. This is going to be a hot, hot take. Hot take. That's why I had to drink some water beforehand. If you don't like people bunting on you when you're down by nine runs, you ready for this? Ready for this? Don't be down by nine runs. It's as simple as that. Baseball is the only sport routinely the default response position for teams kind of being petty and or I don't even want to call it petty uh, in this case, but just kind of, you know, whooping your ass is, oh, my God, we have to hit them. You know what I mean? And, oh, my God, that was disrespectful. In the NBA, you ever see Ja Morant doing a dab after the basket when they're up by 20 and then teams just start getting into fights like actively all the time of course it happens every now and then passions are high it's annoying i'm not totally like i get it i get why the padres might be annoyed but it's just always a default response so hopefully nothing happens in today's game which is going to be happening a little bit after this podcast comes out because i had to wait to record i'm glad i did wait to record because it doesn't end there it doesn't end there ladies and gentlemen uh unfortunately there was some disturbing kind of accusations last night reading from the athletic giants's coach richardson uh, said Schultz's words, as in Mike Schultz's words, had undertones of racism. And we're going to talk about this really quickly. He was ejected at one point during the night. I was actually finishing up a little bit of an article, so I kind of missed at one point why he was tossed. But let's read into the article, reading from The Athletic in a piece by, I don't know who it doesn't actually say. The Athletic app is weird every now and then. Padres coach Mike Schultz used words that reeked, in quotes, reeked undertones of racism during an interaction that led to the ejection of Giants coach Antoine Richardson in the third inning Tuesday night, Richardson said after the game. San Francisco's first base coach said Schilt, San Diego's third base coach, shouted, you need to control that mother bleep, er, obviously, the bleep is from me, guys. Uh, toward the Giants' dugout after the two had a brief exchange in the third inning. When Richardson, who was black, rose to the top step of the dugout and replied, excuse me, he was ejected from the game by crew chief Greg Gibson. I think that his words were disproportionately unwarranted and reeked undertones of racism, Richardson said after the game. What he referred to me as that mother effer, as if I'm to be controlled or a piece of property or enslaved. And I think it's just really important that we understand what happened tonight. And the second part that's equally disappointing is me being tossed by the umpire empowered this coach to continue to have conversations like that with people like me. And that's really unfortunate. That's what happened tonight. I'm going to let that all settle over you for just a second. And before I get a little bit deeper into that, guys, I want to talk to you about the best protein bars of all time. I know that that is the roughest transition I've arguably ever done, but 
to keep it moving, everybody. Uh, this is the time of year, obviously, that you give up on your New Year's resolutions. We're in April. It happens. The baseball season. You're having Cracker Jacks and cotton candy and hot dogs and all that stuff. But Built Bars can help you, you know, settle your sweet tooth and whatnot. Check out the macros. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And ladies and gentlemen, you're killing it. Just absolutely killing it. And what I love is they've got, you know, broke, uh, wow, broke, uh, peanut butter brownie flavors. They've got white chocolate cookies and cream. My personal favorite, apple almond crisp, coconut brownie chunk, chocolate. They basically have every flavor you could ask for. And that's what I love about them so much, right? They're so, so yummy and so tasty and they're good for you. And they have a great variety of flavors, guys. So what are you freaking waiting for? You know, what are you waiting for? I, I, I just don't understand what you possibly could be waiting for. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order, folks. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Guys, I also want to make sure, you know, this is my own podcast, of course, about MLB stuff, but be sure to check out Locked On Now, which recaps all the ML games with MLB Having a little bit of trouble speaking today, guys. Sorry about that. Recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts and all the other sports and stuff around the league. They're going to be talking about the playing games from the NBA. So, locked on now. Nice, great, bite-sized, like, 25-minute podcast to start off your morning and get you catched up uh, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Let's continue on. Let's continue on. There was a tweet from a good buddy of mine, Mark DeLucci, who some of you might even follow because he covers the Giants. He's also a buddy of mine over at Just Baseball. He said, it's a really sad metaphor that a a white woman became the first non-cis man to serve as an on-field coach, referring to Elisa Nakin, by the way, uh, in a regular season MLG, MLB game because a black coach was ejected by a white umpire for reacting to a white coach referring to him with dehumanizing language. Of course, he then said, I'm happy for Nakin, but it's just unfortunate that that is what it, that that's a weird metaphor for the whole thing, which I agree with. It does deserve to be pointed out that apparently there was like some arguments about, you know, uh, um, what exactly that Richardson was doing. I don't know exactly what the the details of that. We're going to see how the Padres respond to this. They might respond to it actually while I'm recording, so we'll have to see. But it does deserve to be brought up, right? Then, all right, let's just really quickly, let's get into more about this. The unwritten rules. Everything that I've talked to you guys about today, whether it be unwritten rules, these allegations from Richardson, baseball has such a bad culture. And I've been saying this from the beginning. I said this back when Tatis had the 3-0 Grand Slam, actually. And that baseball, and it's funny because on last night's broadcast, if you guys were listening, it wasn't Bob Costas, but it was the other guy. Basically, in quotes, saying, baseball has always tried to be inclusive, referring to right when Elisa Nakin made it onto the field, which was great. Everybody was happy about that. My mom and I both laughed. (laughs) My mom and I both laughed when someone said that baseball has always tried to be inclusive. Uh, Baseball has never always tried to be inclusive. Baseball has a culture that is incredibly problematic in basically every way. Aside from this incident, there is just the unwritten rules, right? The unwritten rules in baseball are kind of a system designed to keep baseball a certain way, keep culture a certain way. If you look at simple history and you understand what I'm referring to, it is a way that certainly isn't as welcoming to other people of color, women, and such. This leads me to bring up another example of something that I just felt like the segues really well into Freddie Freeman, 
who there was a little bit of a, a hubbub over in Atlanta because Ronald Acuna Jr., his words got a little bit mistranslated and it was a little bit of a, a thing, but he basically said, you know, his rookie year was, you know, Freddie Freeman was basically, you know, trying to give him a lesson or two, per se, right? And then Freddie Freeman responded by this. When you put on a Braves uniform in that organization, there's organizational rules. You don't cover the A with sunglasses. You don't wear earrings. You have your hair a certain length. You wear a uniform out during batting practice. You don't have eye black coming down across your whole face. Those are just kind of organizational things. So I guess I was one of the older guys that did have to enforce those kinds of things in the clubhouse. But when you put on a Braves uniform, those are kind of what happens. I don't. I didn't view it as any friction or clashes or anything like that. I love Ronald. I still love Ronald. I'm going to miss Ronald. My family is going to miss Ronald. So he emphasizes that at the end. But the, you don't cover the A with sunglasses. And most, most importantly, you don't wear earrings and you don't wear eye black and you don't have your hair a certain length. In the wise words of Bumani Jones, for those who don't know, he has a show. Uh, 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 I like Bumani Jones a whole lot. Um, personally, I, I think he's tremendous. I don't know how how other people feel, but I like Bumani Jones a lot. On his HBO theory game, HBO show Game Theory, mentioned, I don't know how you have the name Freddie Freeman and you're telling black people not to act black. It's basically what he said. I Hopefully, that was basically what Bumani said. I paraphrase it a tiny bit there in terms of just the exact language. Basically, uh, a white dude explaining to a black dude and coming down on this guy not to act that way because the hair is too long. Yeah, uh, baseball has a culture problem, guys, and last night was a yet another example of it, and we have to remember that, guess what, you don't want to get beat, don't get beat. There is no other friggin' sport that has these amount of problems the same way. You know, it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. We have a team in baseball that makes you shave your hair, the New York Yankees, right? You have this stuff with Freddie Freeman. Ken Griffey Jr., that beloved player you guys all like, he's great. I love it. I love him so much. That dude got in trouble because he wore his cap backwards when getting called up to the major leagues. Players had a problem with that. Bruh. What are we doing here? All right? So baseball loves to parade around about Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier, but oftentimes we see moments like this where they show their true colors and show you that they are not welcoming to different styles and cultures. Right? This isn't, you know, coming down on Ronald Cootie because he didn't outrun a ground ball. This is because he wore eye black and earrings and all these things, right? So I agree with Bumani on that situation. Um, and it's just, that's baseball culture. So last night was an ugly night, not just because the Padres got blown out, but because they, you know, remind us of one of the issues that can that can be around baseball, right? So uh, Mike Schilt, and that's what's interesting. You know, Mike Schilt got fired from the Cardinals and no one really understood why. And that was weird in the moment. So, Mike Schilt, let's, uh, you know, you already, there's questions around you, I guess. Um, because the Cardinals aren't a stupid organization. And this certainly doesn't make him look very good right now. So, we're going to see how this all transpires. I imagine we're going to see more. Hopefully, the Padres aren't throwing balls at uh, Giants hitters that Brandon Belt doesn't get one. Especially because Brandon Belt has, you know, trouble staying healthy. And he's such a great talent. We don't want that to happen, right? And vice versa. Hopefully, these things can be calmed up. But bottom line... Go out there and play baseball. What are we doing? Shamanaya, go out there and be a beast today. And then dab on the mound afterwards when you strike people out. Go ahead. Do a mock bunting gesture. Do whatever you want. Just stop with the hitting and the unwritten rules nonsense. But I've been talking enough about that, guys. Now I want to talk about Nick Martinez, who I have not given enough, you know, spotlight to. Because we had to talk about these other things. Sorry. That's just how it works on here, guys. Let's talk about Nick Martinez. 
in his start on Monday. And it really stinks that on top of the, the allegations, on top of the racism stuff, on top of the unwritten rules, yesterday I was so excited to see you, Darvish. And I also had a great day because I saw everything everywhere all at once. Masterpiece. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you don't even watch movies. At least put it on your watch list. Do me that much. Yeah, don't touch that dial. Don't touch that dial. All right, you got a little notepad? All right, yeah, yeah, you got a notepad? All right, just, just at least put it on your watch list for me. Masterpiece. And I believe is going to go down as one of the more beloved movies of the decade. That's high praise for me. I, I think that people are going to be like, there's, there hasn't been a movie quite like this, and it's going to be remembered for a long time. On the level of like a parasite and some Marvel stuff, like some of the great movies that have come out, I think it's going to be remembered for a while. But anyway. Let's talk about Nick Martinez. The basic slash line on Monday. I have talked about him a lot over the offseason. There was a mean comment sent my way saying, you know, which I thought was funny. Uh, honestly, which him say, you got to be better if you want your own show, buddy. And basically kind of ripping me for the original take on the signing, which was I didn't really get it. Uh, I wanted the Padres to go after guys like Alex Cobb, Tyler Johnson, Alex Wood, both Alex's. I thought money could have been spent better elsewhere, that there's some some slightly more intriguing starting pitching options. And then you give this guy a four-year deal when the last time he was in Major League Baseball didn't totally succeed all that often. But he sure did shut me up for the first start of the game. Five innings, only one earned run on five hits, walking one, striking out six over 83 pitches in that game. We got a very nice RBI from who else but Jake Cronenworth. We got one from Manny Machado. Um, the first baseman who must not be named, continuing to have a pretty decent start to the year, going two for three, even if there was some ground ball stuff. Uh, Hassan Kim also getting a hit. So it was a nice game. Taylor Rogers getting a save. I love that. I love that he got the save there. That was lovely. That was beautiful. It was magnificent. Uh, he gets the save against the team that is currently has his brother, which was uh, Tyler Rogers, uh, which is very, very funny. So I enjoy that a lot. Um, but before we dive a little bit deeper into Nick Martinez's start, let me just take a quick old break and tell you to go check out, guys, the Locked On MLB podcast. Please do that. It is fantastic. Hosted by your boy, Sully. He's great. He's great. He's just the best. Uh, he brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. Is he a little bit of an old head who hates the extra innings rules and the universal DH? Of course, but we love Sully, and he gives you a good perspective and talks to all the other MLB hosts, so be sure to check that out wherever you get your podcast, Guys, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Nick Martinez, um, over those five innings on Monday... I thought it wasn't just a... I think it was yeah, actually, I would even argue, a little bit more impressive than you Darvish's start. It sounds like I'm dogging you Darvish's first start and saying that he got lucky, which I'm not entirely saying. But in fairness, Darvish walked a bunch of people in his first start, gave up some pretty hard hits. It doesn't look like he was totally fooling people. And it was also against the Diamondbacks. Against the San Francisco Giants, Nick Martinez generated 13 whiffs over five innings. For a guy who's coming over from Japan... And it's been a while since he improved. And the last time he's here, he had like a high five ERA back with Texas Rangers. That was awesome. 13 whiffs. He looked controlled, right? Aside from hitting one batter, which was which was not great. His his solo, solo I would argue, only real mistake of the game because this is a really good hitting Giants team, right? Uh, hitting one batter, but very meticulous. Working the plate all over. It wasn't just one area. This was an Zach Davies type who just throws that same sinker in kind of the same area for the most part. Instead, I thought he was doing great. Forcing fastball, 
cutter, changeup, and curveball, with the four-seam fastball being the most. A little bit of an improved velocity there. He's not throwing 98 or anything like that, 99 consistently, but I thought he looked really good. He covered the plate and approached each batter differently. So there was a lot to like there. Um, but, and just a fair criticism, uh, the Giants maybe got a little bit unlucky. Uh, my friend Ben Kaspik, host of the Lockdown Giants podcast, you guys might know him. Darren Ruff, or I'm not sorry, uh, Austin Slater had a 100 mile per hour, 390 foot uh, hit at one point with a 900 expecting batting average, and it wasn't out. You know what I mean? So big hits for the Giants, not necessarily going out. Darren Ruff as well. There were three barrels, he also says, in tonight's game. Austin Noah, which resulted in a home run. Darren Ruff, which was a flyout, and Austin Slater, which was a flyout. By definition, barrels have at least a 500 expected batting average and 1,500 expected slugging. A fortunate early theme, hard hit balls, finding gloves, and big spots. So did Nick Martinez get a tad bit lucky? Sure, but it doesn't outweigh the fact that the rest of his start was just freaking awesome, man. You know, it was just freaking awesome. I just loved watching him. I thought he looked tremendous battling against every hitter. Even if some of the big hits maybe got a little bit lucky that they didn't go out of the park and result in more runs. But nonetheless, an encouraging first start against a team that's good, man. I already talked about Brandon Bell. But they've got Darren Ruff. They've got eventually they're gonna get Lamont Wade back. They've they've got just such a balanced lineup that loves to see pitches, that is a patient lineup. So even though Maybe some of the big hits didn't quite fall, even though they were very likely to in another scenario. Still very good. Loved the six, the six strikeouts, and most importantly, loved the whiffs. We're going to have to see what happens uh, going against the Atlanta Braves. That is a tough lineup, too, that has also been struggling uh, out of the gate, right? The Atlanta Braves, the Boston Red Sox, San Francisco Giants, and the Dodgers, all really low, like WRC plus sort of numbers to start the season, and the Dodgers were out in Colorado. So that goes to show you something, all right? It goes to show you something. Uh, Dodgers stink. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, in terms of overreactions, guys, you really think that those four teams with those lineups are going to stay with the worst offense. So that just kind of is a uh, – uh, uh, epitomizes that, remember, it's small sample size, still very, very early. And like I said, I say many times, I like to wait three starts uh, before giving a um, a little bit more of a broader – uh, view on starting pitching maybe even four i might increase that to four so we'll see how that pans out for darvish and nick martinez going forward and the last thing i wanted to talk about guys is mackenzie gore who did a slid yesterday tweeted mackenzie gore is here then followed it up by saying at oracle park he means got a locker he's been walking around the locker room and all that stuff with blake snell on the il mentioned this on monday's podcast i think or tuesdays which one was it i think it was monday's I'm almost certain it was whatever. You guys get my point. I mentioned probably makes room for Mackenzie Gore to make his debut, MLB debut, potentially on Friday because that is when Blake Snell would be uh, next slated to pitch, and he's expected to head on the IL. They just haven't made like that formal announcement yet, so hopefully they do that. Very exciting. Guys, he has looked awesome. I have been campaigning for him to get a start, make the rotation for a while now because I thought it's time he looked awesome in spring training, had that awesome start in AAA, five innings, only two hits, no runs, no walks, seven Ks, or nine Ks, actually. I forgot how many he had. He looks, he's, he just looks confident. He looks back, and it looks like this might have been a case of one of the weirder prospect, like, development cycles in a while, in the sense that he never debuted in Major League Baseball. He was the number one pitching prospect, and all of a sudden just had a really rough outing. Um, in double A and triple A and just couldn't pitch. He had a leg kick problem. It had to be mental. 
and he looks awesome. Velocity on all of his four plus pitches. Four plus pitches he has, including his fastball, which isn't going 99, but improved velocity on all those things from the changeup to the slider and everything. It's 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 exciting. So of course we have to temper our expectations. The the announcement hasn't officially been made, but I'm really jazzed about this, guys. I'm really jazzed. I think he could be great. And I think that, you know, while my video hasn't aged necessarily awesomely uh, that I did yesterday, proclaiming that the Padres will have the best rotation in baseball this season in terms of you Darvish getting lit up and in terms of Blake Snell being hurt. One of the things that I was most excited about is I thought that out of every team's kind of wild card in the back of the rotation, I thought Mackenzie Gore was the most exciting. Granted, it's really close, and I did emphasize that, and I did emphasize that I was being a little bit of a homer because, you know, uh, we just saw Alex Cobb yesterday look like a beast, um, like an absolute beast, um, with the velocity increase that was rumored throughout spring training. That occurred as well. And then, um, just to throw out a little bit of a, some stats on you guys really quickly, um, if I could find it, from also Ben Caspic, by the way, of the Lockdown Giants podcast, mentioning... Just to show you how frustrating it is uh, being a Padres fan. And I told you guys, you could go look it up. I liked Alex Cobb and Alex Wood. Number of Alex Cobb, 95-plus mile-per-hour pitches. This is coming from Evan Webick uh, on Twitter from 2011 to 2021. One. That's right. Even when he was expected, kind of in his prime and when he was expected to be a top pitcher, only one time he threw something faster than 95 miles per hour. Number of Alex Cobb 95-mile-plus-per-hour pitches in the first inning of 2022. 11. Yeah, Alex Cobb might be this year's Kevin Gosman. And it's it's actually frustrating how this dude has never done anything like this, and all of a sudden he's going to become just the Kevin Gosman of this year. So that is one worry of mine, and probably why it makes more sense to have the Giants as the best rotation. I just thought that the upside of a gore, and I thought that the balance of your Musgrove, Manaya and Darvish and Snell and Clevenger, I thought could be a lot better. And we'll see what happens with Nick Martinez. But then again, it's the Giants, and they love doing well with every single pitcher. Hey, not to say I told you so, but I tried. I was saying, Alex Cobb, man. Go get Alex Cobb. And in fairness, also, maybe he doesn't end up doing this, right? Maybe he doesn't end up doing this if he's with the Padres, right? You never know. The last thing I want to say, guys, is my other big overreaction of the season so far Trick Grisham, man. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but Trick Grisham, man. I need you. And honestly, I just don't see it. That's my big overreaction. I'm not seeing a guy who can hit 250, have a 350 on base, hit like 25 bombs, steal 20 bases, play gold glove defense. I'm just seeing a pretty good role player. Uh, a, definitely a starter. Don't get me wrong. I shouldn't say role player. But I really don't see it. Some of the pitches, I'm just like, man. And maybe some poor pitches. The, the inside pitches get him a lot. And sometimes I think he gets a little bit unlucky. He did with one pitch last night um, with the call at home plate. But that's just me. I just don't totally see it. And considering they gave up Eric Lauer and Luis Urias to the Brewers, isn't the worst loss in the world. But, you know, uh, those guys haven't been terrible, right? They haven't been terrible. But even still, it's not a bad trade. It's just unfortunate that it looked like a wipeout. Like, oh, my God, they just got an all-star for nothing. Nowadays, it's more like, eh, Luis Urias isn't too bad. Over in uh, Milwaukee. But then again, we're going to see how it pans out. It is the overreaction emporium, after all, guys. That's what happens every year for the start of Major League season. Um, but that basically about wraps it up for me, guys. We're going to be seeing this game in only a few hours. Very excited for that. Hopefully, we get some statements back regarding the situation with Richardson. 
Very huge apologies that that happened. That does not belong in our game, and neither do the unwritten rules. Shouts to Elisa Aiken, uh, which was awesome to see her on the field. Um, and honestly, shouts to Alex Cobb pitching well, and shouts to Will Myers for just seemingly always being there for us. <laughs> through the thick and thin uh but that all being said guys that about does it for today's edition of the lockdown padres podcast the only pot that may be better than the padres themselves remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from follow me on twitter at javapeno j-a-v-i-i-p-e-n-o and at l underscore padres subscribe on youtube at lockdown padres and i'll be having a good article about hassan kim coming out that you guys can expect over at just baseball soon might talk about that tomorrow until next time, stay safe and of course stay faithful. Oh, come on, All right, fire faithful homies. Take care. Come on.